Hey church, Jason here. Uh, very excited that you're going to hear this conversation uh, between me and Barbara Young about the topic of contemplative prayer and a space that we're going to be creating here in South Bend each week to be a part of that. However, um, after uh, Barbara and I recorded this conversation, uh, one change developed with when we're hosting these spaces. So please forgive me. Uh, throughout this episode, you're going to hear us talking about Tuesdays at noon, but disregard that. This is happening on Wednesdays at noon, not Tuesdays. Wednesdays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays at the Downtown Library starting on November 1st. So again, if you could just lodge that in your mind as you listen along, uh, everything else about this conversation you're going to love. And then uh, we hope to see you on a Wednesday at noon if you'd like to join us for uh, these times of contemplative prayer with Barbara Young. Hey Church, Jason here. Uh, very excited for you to hear this conversation uh, with dear friend and SBCC member Barbara Young. Uh, some of you have been around, you might know Barbara. She's there faithfully on Sundays. We've even had her on stage to tell a bit of her story. And we'll get a bit of that from you again today, Barbara. Uh, but the reason we're talking actually is that um, she is about to lead a new space for us on Tuesdays at noon. It's going to be happening at the St. Joe County Library downtown. We'll give you more details on that at the end here. But it's a contemplative prayer space that Barbara's going to guide for anybody who wants to come up uh, during your lunch break in the middle of the day on Tuesdays. Uh, and we're going to explain what that is and why we're doing it and what you can expect from it. And I hope that whether you make it to one of those Tuesday noon gatherings at the library for prayer or whether you just pursue some of this in other spaces in your life, I think this conversation is going to give you all um, some real wisdom from somebody who's been living in this way of prayer for quite a long time. Barbara, can we back up a little bit? Can you tell people a little bit about the work that you've done in your life? Assume they know nothing about you. Maybe introduce yourself. Oh, thank you. Well, I am a retired Unity minister. I was a minister um, active in the field for over 30 years. Um, previous to that, I was a housewife and a mother and a uh, my husband owned a business, and I helped him some in that. And I have actually six children. Yeah. And um, that sort of sums it up. The last 30, well, almost 40 years now of my life were dedicated to ministry. That's right. Tell us a little bit about Unity, if people haven't heard of that. Well, Unity is a non-denominational Christian ministry. It um, was founded about mm, over 125 years ago by a couple in Missouri. It's um, a very positive religion. A lot of people have heard of it who aren't necessarily unity because they subscribe to Daily Word magazine, and they also... Uh, may have called the Silent Unity Prayer Ministry, which is also over 100 years old. So there are about, I think, 900 churches in the U.S. and around the world. Mm -hmm. I, I liken it to a mystical tradition. Mm -hmm. It was founded on prayer, and contemplative prayer is part of it, although there are other prayer forms, of course. Yeah. But... Um, it's very positive. It emphasizes uh, healing a lot. Mm -hmm. So it was started as a healing ministry, too. So um, there's a lot there that we'll kind of unpack. That's helpful. I, I like to tell friends sometimes, I'm like, man, I have this friend, Barbara. She is, um, do you mind sharing how old you are? <laughs> 
I'm going to be 87 in December. Yeah, that's right. Um, I love that both for the life experience that you bring and for the, I don't know, you just inspire me, Barbara, today with the vitality of your life, um, the energy that you bring to it and the wisdom that you bring to it. But I like to tell friends, I'm like, man, I have this friend, Barbara, who's in her 80s, who she was reading Richard Rohr before it was cool. Because I think there's a lot of us who grew up in spaces like the one I grew up in, where we discovered voices like Richard Rohr more recently. And I think we were really hungry for ways of thinking about faith and contemplation that perhaps ran deeper uh, or wider or both than the streams that we came up in. And you've been in that for a very long time. I mean, that's not new for you um, to be swimming in those really wide and deep streams. So um, you mentioned contemplative prayer, and that's what we're going to be offering on Tuesdays at noon that you're going to be guiding. Uh, let me take a step back and tell our church a bit about how we came to, to doing this. Um, I, I know I've felt this. I think others have felt that um, at South Bend City Church, we take prayer seriously in some ways. We, we, we want our, our gatherings to be places where we actually pray together. You know, we pray before our gatherings. Our staff team often spends a great deal of time in prayer. Um, that being said, we've never really carved out a space explicitly for prayer. And I think there's been a growing hunger for that. Um, I felt that. I think others have felt that. And I think alongside that hunger, there's also um, a lot of people have hangups around prayer. Maybe they're like, man, I, I, used, to, I used to pray in a kind of dutiful way because I was told that's part of being a good Christian, but it felt like there was a lot of pressure or baggage that came with it. Or maybe... Um, you know, I I used to pray and ask God for things, but now I'm kind of lost in whether it makes sense to ask God for things because what do I do if God grants my prayer request for, you know, a good day at work tomorrow, but God doesn't seem to be granting our prayer requests for peace for the people in Gaza right now. Um, so we're all like hung up on all these things, I think, and yet the hunger remains. Um, and I think one thing I've wondered about actually is like, if we were to create a space to cultivate more of a prayerful presence among our church. One of my questions was like, who would lead that actually? I think we need somebody with deep experience um, to lead that. And then not long ago, you came up to me on a Sunday morning and brought your own sense of conviction about wanting to lead a space for contemplative prayer. And I, and I know the rest of our team were, were really quite excited when we heard that because um, we've gotten to know you, Barbara, as a person of depth and wisdom and we trust you. And I just um, am really eager myself to take advantage of the space that you're going to offer. And I'm eager for others to have a chance to be a part of it too. So that's how we got to this point. But let's talk a little bit about contemplative prayer. For some people, this will be something that's new or unfamiliar. Maybe they've heard a bit about it. Can you just begin to tell us what do you mean by contemplative prayer? Well, some people might call it meditation. Uh, in fact, that was what it was called when I was trained and when I was in seminary, and that's what I've called it most of the time. But I realize that other traditions do call it contemplative prayer. And to me, as far as I can tell, it's pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, contemplative prayer uh, has special rewards, I think. And um, we live in such a chaotic world, and life can be really bumpy sometimes, and it throws us off, and we kind of lose our ground. And to me, 
contemplative prayer uh, is so important because it adds a sense of centeredness and sacredness to our lives. It invites us to surrender and trust, knowing that God's will for us is absolute good. And it seeks God's presence. You know, we're told that God is everywhere present, but I don't think we realize it a good part of our lives, you know, or we just don't walk in that knowledge very much. This, I think, can teach you, yes. Mm -hmm. It can teach you to stay present with that concept. And it finds, what you really do find is that God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very wonderful. Um, And God lives within you and me. Yes. We, I believe that with my whole heart. And we are, we've said we're children of God, but that to me means that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. And that we, we walk all the time, that God lives in and through us. God enables us, animates us. It's the very life within us. And so God is everywhere, even within, and especially within ourselves, I'd like to say. But I also think God's in the trees. Yes, yes. And it involves entering into the silence, and it involves listening. We get ourselves out of the way, and that's really the work of contemplative prayer, is to sit and to let go of our of our busy, rattling minds and sometimes our emotions and settling them and finding a way to do that so that we can just be. And then we can take direction from that. Sometimes if we have a special challenge or a problem, I think getting still and listening and being open, we may get an intuition. We may get a thought right out of the blue. And it's, it's really wonderful. So one thing about contemplative prayer, of course, it's not the only kind of prayer because we still have other kinds. Mm-hmm. But there have been situations, I think, known that people that sat in the silence a, an awful lot and that kind of thing can almost become withdrawn Mm -hmm. and become passive. Mm -hmm. And that's not anything we want to do. And it's not really a big danger (laughs) for most people. But we need to be able to put feet on our prayers, as Mm -hmm. the Quakers would say, by taking action as our intuition directs. Uh, A a couple of thoughts as you were sharing that. One is I can already imagine some people, just, just the way that you speak of this and the spirit that you bring to it, is I think really beautiful and compelling. And I can imagine people even now listening are like, oh man, I would really like to pray with Barbara. And I think that's really beautiful. I also um, have felt sometimes for myself and for others that when you speak of, you know, God lives in us. And it's like, it's funny how I think a lot of us, we've been made suspicious of that idea. 
even though it's all over scripture, whether it's, you know, Paul and Acts saying it's God in whom we live and move and have our being, or whether it's Jesus breathing the spirit into the disciples, or, you know, we could go on and on with the, all the different ways that scripture says that God lives in us and through us. And yet, and yet somehow we've been made afraid of that idea, or it feels too radical or, um, but I don't. I don't think you can get more orthodox than that, or more Christian than right, that, actually. Right. Um, but to to move beyond thinking that thought and actually praying in that mode is, is a big step to take. I think. Right. If we've been taught that we are sinful and we are unworthy and that we don't measure up, then we're likely to believe we wouldn't even be worthy of God living in us. And that's very sad to me, hmm. because every one of us is so marvelously made, you know? what? Who else could have done that <laughs> but a loving God? Hmm. And you look at the beauty in the world, and, and just to understand that it's all out of the creativity of this great loving presence, this great even mind, as some people say. And uh, to realize that we are really and truly, we haven't even, we're just children of God. We are inherit, we've inherited that presence within us. And we're, we're worthy of it. And the saddest thing is to, real, to think we aren't. Yes. And so... Taking it from there, then God is loving, absolute good. As far as I'm concerned, God is absolute good. And so we can trust that. We can truly trust it, maybe like we never have before, and relax into that and and just know we're not alone. Mm -hmm. We're not alone. I've heard some say, you know, if, if, if our own lives and even our bodies are the vessels that God wants to pour God's self into and through, but if we've been taught to hate the vessel, yes. to hate the conduit, it's going to be really hard to embrace and to notice God pouring God's self into the vessel, into the conduit, which is us, if we've been taught to shame that or hate that. And yes. another, I, I gather that one of the ways that this can be healing is in contemplative prayer, it's not just that you begin to believe that God loves the vessel that God has made, but you experience that. Yes, and that brings healing. Mm -hmm. When you know we are sometimes at war against our very selves, and to take that away, it it relaxes us. It makes us at home in our own skin, and it makes us stand tall. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It makes us stand tall. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, do you mind sharing a bit about um, when you brought this to me and we talked about it, you talked about your own desire for it. And I wonder both just individually for you, where that desire was coming from and what you were naming. But I also wonder if you've, I think you have, you felt that as a desire on behalf of our community, that you want this not just for you, but for South and City Church. Oh, Can yeah. you talk about that a bit? Well, I see what it has done in my life and in other people's lives. In my ministries, it was very important. And um, so 
I also know that when I pray by myself, which I do every day, and I love it, it's a wonderful time, and I cherish it. But when I pray with others, there's an energy there. It's a shared, it's a shared oneness. It's the shared spirit. And I think everyone is affected more positively. It's, yeah, it's actually most generally easier to do contemplative prayer in a group because it's kind of catching. Yes, I love that you say that because I think, I mean, even when you say that, you know, in your own personal private practice of prayer, you love it. I think a lot of people have tried and like, I don't love it. They, they haven't felt a connection. They ha- they've tried and it's been frustrating. It hasn't yielded anything. And I think, um, I've shared this story before, but I'll never forget it. Years ago, I met, uh, met a, a Benedictine monk from Ireland who I was in, in classwork with at Notre Dame. And I was so intrigued to learn about the life of a monk. So we went out one night and had some pints and I was asking him all these questions about life as a monk. And I'll never forget, his name is Cuthbert. And he could tell that I was putting him on a pedestal. And he cut me off and he said, Jason, I didn't become a monk because I'm so spiritual. He said, I became a monk because I want to pray and I don't know how to pray without a community. It's like he, and it just made it so different for me. And I, I think for a lot of us, we've been trying on our own. We were told all along, like, you should pray. And maybe some part of us wanted it, but when we tried it, it, it didn't seem to go very well or it didn't, I don't know, it didn't produce anything. I don't even know what we were expecting, but it just felt dry. And, um, but I think what, what few of us have experienced is the kind of communal setting that you're talking about where we're being well-led by somebody who swims deep in those waters, not to like, you know, it's not boot camp. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not come in here and prove yourself as a prayer warrior. There's a very different energy in the way that you've led this. And, and by the way, just so you all know, um, Barbara's already led this practice for our staff team. We thought, well, let's, let's, uh, let's drink the Kool-Aid first. And, um, <laughs> and it was a really, it was a really beautiful, deeply grounding time. And I think um, I felt what it's like both to have you facilitating it and to be a part of a community of people practicing it together. And that was different than me on my own trying to find my way into it. Even though I, I think there's a lot to be said for that part of it. It is a discipline. Uh, there's, I'm not going to pretend that it's easy. Richard Rohr says, and I agree entirely, we're always beginners. Yes. Every time. You're a be- I'm a beginner. When I, when I sit down, and it may be that I'm uh, kind of riled up about something, or there's been something or someone on my mind, and I need to, I need to work with myself. And sometimes it's better than others. Sometimes, you know, you don't ever want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's difficult. So when people give up, it really takes, I, it doesn't just take a year or something. It, it's a continuous thing. And to say, you know, that this makes me a holy person or something, you know, don't be disabused. <laughs> <laughs> because I still struggle with things just like everyone else. But I do think that the road has been smoother, yeah. that I catch myself more easily when I find myself you know, getting kind of caught up in something, I catch myself and I can, and I have these 
practices that I've used so it's easier. Mm-hmm. You've got some, some muscle memory around yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit of muscle memory. Yeah. Um, at South and City Church, we say practices, not performances. Right. And I think that's, that's tied into what you're saying. Yes. It's like, you know, nobody's expected to walk in and like, this is not something that you, you perform or that you necessarily do well at, right? You just, right. you come to it open and with no judgment of yourself. Yes, that's very important. Not to judge yourself, not to criticize yourself. Um, that again would be contrary really to the whole idea. It's to be patient and loving with yourself. Yes. I mean, how can we encounter God who is patient and loving with us? Yeah. If between us and God, we've got our own judgmental sort of posture mm-hmm. against ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little more about the actual um, offering on Tuesdays. So this will be Tuesdays at noon right here in South Bend at the main library downtown. If people um, want to visualize what we're talking about, uh, if you know where Cambodian Thai is downtown, <laughs> a shout out to a great Thai restaurant. That's across the, the intersection there from one corner of the library building. And that's the classroom wing, or I don't even know what they call it, but there's the other half of the library that's the older part of the building where all the books are. But the part we're talking about is the classroom wing. You can enter it from that corner where Cam Thai is. There's the St. Joe Cafe right there, the coffee shop in the building. And then we're going to be through those doors. And I'm not sure if the room will always be the same room. But um, we talked about this. People can probably make it that far. And we might be able to like meet them there and, and point them to the right direction. Yeah. Is that on the second floor? Second floor. The classrooms are up there on the second floor. Yeah. Let's say that if you make it to the second floor, take the elevator up. Uh, and then you'll be able to get there. You're going to keep a mailing list for those who attend. Mm-hmm. So that if there's a change in the schedule, you can let them know. But our plan is we're going to try this for a while. Every Tuesday at noon. Uh, and this is how, how long do you think we'll go? Well, usually it's now the actual sit time will not be thirty minutes because yes. that would be way too much for especially uh, starting out for new. And uh, it never was for me, you know, all the years I did it because that's a long time. If the actual sit time may only be ten minutes, yes, mm-hmm. but. It, there will be a little bit of instruction and, and maybe a little conversation around it. And uh, usually it ta- it'll take us about 30 minutes to get in and out. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. And then people can get on with their day, but right. that'll be there available to them for about 30 minutes. And you'll both prepare us and then guide us through it. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. Will we levitate? <laughs> I don't recommend that we even try. <laughs> okay, okay. Just, just checking in on that level of expectation. That probably is sort of a distraction from the whole idea. <laughs> you know, we get into ourselves and what we can do. Yeah. I think um, I joke about that. I do think for some also what we're describing can feel kind of exotic or wooey or, or, wooey or spooky or mysterious. <laughs> and I'll just say my experience of it with you and, and some other guided places I've been is, is not that at all. I mean, it is kind of mysterious. It, we are contemplating God together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a sound and light show either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No pyrotechnics. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else? So let's let's just uh, come back to the larger theme here before we wrap this up. I imagine there are people listening to this who, they may not be able to join us on Tuesdays. Um, maybe they're not local even. We have a lot of SBCC family that are beyond South Bend. Um, 
So for all those who may not be able to come on a Tuesday, but who are listening, thinking you're naming something that I really want to explore. Could you give us a little bit of coaching on where they could start on where we could start? Wow. There must be uh, some good books on it. I like Richard Rohr's. uh, Richard Rohr has a little book called Just This. It's a little brown book. It costs 10 bucks. And it's very good. It's a lot about contemplative prayer. And sort of the real details that he covers, questions you might have, and uh, daily readings that can sort of prompt you into a time of prayer. I think some people may have heard of um, Lectio Divina. Yes. And that's like when you read your Bible and you take a a verse or a a story or whatever you take from it, and it's inspiring you. And it's, you know, you find yourself pondering that and, and being uplifted by it and carried by it in a lot of ways. That's another way that we sort of enter into this kind of presence. And so there are... There's beautiful music you can listen to sometimes that puts you in a, in a place of reverie and, and beauty. And, and there's nature. Wow, nature is a big one. Mm-hmm. And it's for many people. Some people would say, I don't meditate. I went fishing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, so to get those quiet moments, and then you can expand on them. It's very beneficial. Yeah. I think as you were talking, I was just thinking about, um, you know, if if somebody's inspired by Jesus, if they they find him to be, you know, admirable or um, if they see a love in him that they want to be a part of or if they see a capacity for bravery or... Um, a prophetic edge that we need right now in the world. And you see those things in Jesus. I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that like littered throughout the gospels are all those little sentences that say things like Jesus often withdrew to places to pray. And I don't think you can disconnect those things that perhaps what we find brave and admirable about the way that Jesus showed up in the world is directly connected to the ways that he withdrew from the world and found that place of connection. Oh, I think of that because he faced so many things and he would come you know he would go apart he would just sort of disappear yeah, yeah. in a way that <laughs> and, was i think quite frustrating to people <laughs> but he was reconnecting mm-hmm. i believe that he was going gosh 40 days you yeah. know and and just becoming absorbed in the spirit and the truth and the love. Yes. Yeah. So he was our great example. That's right. I have a, a spiritual director I meet with regularly who um, exudes much of the same, uh, you know, warmth and disposition that I, I experienced with you, Barbara. And we were talking through some of these same things and in a really kind but kind of exhorting way. He just he said to me, Jason. He said, "It's the practice." It is. And I said, yes. And he said, it's the practice. And I said, yes. And he said, it's the practice. It's the practice. It's the practice. <laughs> and he wasn't trying to be abusive toward me, but he, you could, he, he was saying what you're telling us, which is, um, it's there for us, and we have nothing to prove, and yet 
without the practice, without the discipline, um, it it remains unaccessed. I think, right? That's true. That's true. We have to access it. Um, and I think our world is so busy. Yes. Our lives are so busy that we just end up running on empty. Mm-hmm. And so if we can learn to slow down and to sit down and to breathe and to experience, to try to reconnect with the Spirit of God, mm-hmm. that can make all the difference. That's beautiful. I think I'll leave it there. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap it up? No, thank you very much. No, Barbara, I'm thrilled. Thank you. Um, Church, uh, this begins on Tuesday, October 31st, Halloween, speaking of spooky, (laughs) at noon at the downtown St. Joe Library. Again, make your way to the second floor on the classroom side. Um, You can use the elevator to get up there, and then we'll have a room there where this will go on for about 30 minutes, and we'll do this regularly on Tuesdays going forward. Um, Barbara, I love you. I admire you. And I'm really grateful that you're going to lead us in this. I know, I don't know how often I'll be able to be a part of it, but I'm eager to be there myself just to, um, swim in these deep waters with you and with other members of our community. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. And hey, I'm jumping back in here one last time. Uh, if you've been enjoying the conversation, maybe you got so swept up in the really beautiful and profound things that Barbara was saying, but you also heard me say Tuesday over and over again, please don't forget uh, these sessions are happening on Wednesdays at noon. I hope we'll see you there.